0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. Welcome to Beth's uh, official <laughs> start of my... I, you can't see me, but I'm using air quotes. Maternity leave. I don't have one. But I'm trying to uh, give myself a few weeks with pre-recorded episodes because I don't know when this babe's coming. So if you're hearing this, I might have had it, might have, might not have. I don't know. All I know is, um, you know, I'm at a point where I need to... Uh, be able to head downtown uh, on the fly and not worry about posting an episode, but I also still want to be here for you guys, and pre-recording is kind of my version of paid leave. (laughs) Um, So yeah, we'll see how this goes. I um, initially wanted to have more episodes locked and loaded, but I ended up having to go in a little earlier as I'm recording this now, it's last week. And there's a chance I might be getting in due soon, but I'm not sure. So I just need to be ready. Check on Instagram at Kate Kennedy if you want to know what's going on. Uh, I assume the first place I'll talk about it because it's kind of like private and I still don't know what the vibe is with like kids and the internet. Patreon.com slash Be There and 5. I'm sure I'll be sharing more eventually when I'm ready. Um, But yeah, as of now, I don't know what's going to happen. And that's kind of crazy. But I have a fun episode for you today. They recorded last month with my... Guests, who I'm sure most of you are well aware of, especially if you're a part of Bachelor Nation, Emma Gray and Claire Fallon, they're so fun. They do the most interesting analyses of dating shows, of romantic comedies, of The Bachelor, um, of reality programming and beyond through like a feminist angle. And I started listening to them on their podcast, Here to Make Friends, that I believe was via HuffPost at the time. I mean, forever ago. And uh, now they've since rebranded to a podcast called Love to See It. And part of what they do on Love to See It is review romantic comedies. And they had me on in May, I think. And we re-reviewed 10 Things I Hate About You. And it was so much fun. That I was like, well, can you come on my pod during my mat leave? And can I pick the movie? <laughs> One that you haven't done. And they so kindly agreed. And the movie I picked was The Wedding Planner. Because <laughs> Okay. First of all, when I picked this movie, it was more like available. You could stream it anywhere. Now I'm having trouble finding it for free. But, um, I think if you have a sling membership, you can get it for free. I don't know. I think it's like a two 99 rental on Amazon prime video and Apple. If you have like the stars extension of Hulu, you can get it for free. It's like, who has a stars extension of Hulu? Like my God, so, so many subscriptions everywhere all the time, but So I'm sorry about that. Regardless, I do kind of explain the plot, but I just think it's important to remember that this movie is wild because this is one of McConaughey's earliest, one of J. Lo's most well known. Um, And it's an interesting concept when, you know, I think about the process of planning my wedding and when I really think through the logistics of my groom secretly falling for the wedding planner, a vendor of any kind. And then making me look like the rigid bad guy for, you know, wanting to participate actively in my own relationship and being oblivious to the fact that he was, you know, lusting after a vendor. I just I rethought the whole thing. I was like, why did why in my head was Fran a little bit? I don't know, like less likable than J. Lo. Maybe I made that up. Why? Why why was I so taken by Matthew McConaughey's character when he was actively flirting with and romancing the wedding planner? Why? You know when I really think through the logistics of almost getting run over by a dumpster and caring the most about my shoe and being saved by a pediatrician talking a little too close to my face, um, then me taking to a children's wing of a hospital when I should have definitely been taken to an adult wing. I don't know. There was a lot of question marks I had about this movie. I wanted to know if there was a moral of the story, if it was just kind of peak 2000s wedding industrial complex, misogyny vibes, all the things. And they, um, agreed to analyze it with me and we had so much fun and I love this episode. So If you can watch it before, that's your homework. If you can't, I understand because everyone's asking us for our money and time these days and subscriptions, myself included, with the Patreon of it all. And I'm sorry. I know our our funds are so divided. But it was a really fun rewatch and I highly recommend it. And there's this whole other part of it where the dad is trying to marry her off to like an Italian stranger. It's, it's, why is JLo Italian? The whole, it's so, the whole movie's weird. Anyway, we'll get into it. I don't want to spoil it. Um, but just wanted to preface by saying, uh, I love these guests. Be sure to listen to their podcast. Love to see it. If you want to hear us analyze 10 things I hate about you a couple months ago. In general, they do all the shows the Love is Blind, The Ultimatum, The Bachelor, all the things. And, um, They are brilliant at it. And it's just so fun to get to swap with fellow podcasters. So, yeah. Oh, and the other thing I want to tell you guys is that um, Amazon Music, like, I never get featured on, like, Spotify or (laughs) Apple or anything. Amazon Music made like, be there in five in the Barbie episode, like, their banner homepage at one point this week. And I just, like, I don't know. I thought it was really nice. So I want to. Show them some love too, and if you're looking for a place to uh, listen to podcasts, especially because didn't a very well known pod podcatcher recently go down, um, be there and find us on Amazon Music, so you can listen on your phone or web browser. But for a better experience, just download the free app with your same Amazon login, and you can add shows and episodes to playlists. It's user friendly, and you can ask Alexa to play, resume, rewind. I'm sure, a lot of you guys listen to me on more than regular speed cuz I'm talking so much um but yeah you can be like alexa well shoot should I not say that because you might have one in the room alex play the podcast be there in 5 you guys get it <laughs> and then yeah be sure to again sorry for the, all the subscriptions but um if you are a patron i put up more beth's show content this past week also i think i put up a taylor's secret session and um i think i was doing some pop culture ones that were similar. So there's an Olivia Rodrigo, Joshua Bassett snorkel coming up that also addresses if we think vampire has anything to do with Taylor Swift. I don't think so. Um, and then we, I did a really fun K-pop one. There's one that about from a person who just like really enjoys and loves being single and wanted to talk about it, which I love that angle. I love any angle that I especially can't provide. Um. So yeah, be sure to check patreon.com slash be there in five. And follow us on Amazon Music. And I'm going to thank one advertiser. Then we'll get into the episode. And you guys are the best. Today's advertising partner I actually got into because of my husband. I've heard of it on podcast before, but hadn't tried it. It's called AG1. It's a daily foundational du- nutrition supplement that supports whole body health that he drinks every day. And since I have the palate of a toddler, I can be like a little hesitant with drinks like this at first, but I tasted it. I was like, wait, that tastes really good. And whoa, I'm getting how many like vitamins and minerals and probiotics in one swoop or scoop rather of AG1. I was intrigued. And also it's been made clear to me entering into this fourth trimester, as they call it, I need to take better care of myself. This is kind of a one-stop shop for so many different comprehensive nutrients without having to take multiple products. What throws me off is having to like have a supplement routine and this just being in one a scoop of powder and water once a day is just exactly what I need at this point in life, where convenience and nutrition is key for me. AG One is a foundational nutrition supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health, it's like a multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple, drinkable habit. It's science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food sourced nutrients, and it was designed with ease in mind so you can live healthier and better without having to complicate your routine. So like literally just mix one scoop of powder and water once a day and that's it. I was like, oh, well, now I feel productive if I'm imbibing 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, whole food sourced ingredients. I, I, I love the, the kill several birds with the one stone <laughs> product function. And we also have the single serving AG1 travel packs so you can take it on the go with you. And with AG1, taking good care of my body each day really is that simple. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com be there in five. That's drinkag1.com be there in five. Check it out. All right, you guys, I've, I'm so excited to... Welcome to the Be There in 5 podcast, Emma Gray and Claire Fallon. I'm so excited to talk to them about this movie I had to talk to them about once I learned about their podcast. Love to see it where they recap dating shows and rom-coms and beyond. And today we were talking about The Wedding Planner, but first I want to welcome them to the podcast. Hello, Emma and Claire. Hi, we're so excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. You guys are some of the first podcasters I ever listened to. Like, how did, okay, so you got your start with Here to Make Friends, which was a predominantly bachelor recap show right yeah yeah that was what in 2016 like you that was early on in the podcast world
1: damn yeah yeah coming up on a decade sooner than I (laughs)
0: like to look in the eye that's crazy (laughs) it's so crazy when and how did you shift from here to make friends to love to see it so in 2021 we got laid off uh, by
1: BuzzFeed which had just acquired HuffPost um which is where we launched Here to Make Friends and BuzzFeed shut oh. down all the podcasting we um at that point lost Here to Make Friends as a brand but we were able to sort of resurrect it with Stitcher as love to see it and that's where <laughs> we like relaunched our bachelor coverage and also like we were able to make it a 52 weeks a year podcast instead of a just during the bachelor podcast. And we got to start branching out a little bit. So that was, uh yeah, it was a big moment. Is, yeah, a, a
2: big traumatic moment that ended up being, <laughs> I think, ultimately a gift. Although, you know, unfortunately for us, Jonah Peretti does still own our Here to Make Friends branding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't. Okay, deserve, I didn't know but... that. And
0: as a podcaster who's crazy about IP, I'm shook and that is traumatizing. And I, so, you were like employed podcasters. Yeah, not independent. We were, podcasters. we were journalists and we
2: just started our show sort of on a lark as a side part of the like cultural and gender coverage that we were both already doing. I mean, it was kind of the wild west of podcasting in 2015. And then all of a sudden we found ourselves with this this whole community that we loved and this this job that we never thought would be the center of our jobs that we loved. And so You know, when we were kind of thrown off the hamster wheel after working at HuffPost for 10 years, we were like, we want to try to
1: give this thing a go. Yeah, we definitely learned a tough lesson. Yeah. But (laughs) because we weren't hired to make the podcast, it was treated as sort of like a work Mm. hobby. It was like, would you enjoy making a podcast in your free time? Like an employee, you actually. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So we did not think about how our employee contracts would apply to the podcast whatsoever when we started it.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't have either. And when you started it, podcasting was. It probably was more hobbyist. And then, like, you realize it's a legitimate money-making venture. And, I mean, Mm -hmm. damn. Well, you guys seamlessly rebranded. I just moved right along. And I didn't. The fact that I was just like, oh, we have a new name. And I wasn't (laughs) even, like, worried about it. The thing is, people will follow you, right? That's the hope. It's not just about the brand. Yeah. So will you tell people what the premise of Love to See It is?
2: Yeah, Love to See It is a recap podcast where we look at romance reality shows and adjacent narrative products, rom-coms, all of that kind of fun stuff. And we kind of turn a snarky, loving, and feminist lens onto onto that content and try to unpack what all of these things that we have grew up consuming and and are still consuming with great fervor now, um, what kind of messages they're actually sending us and why they're so compelling.
0: There is no generation, like, who has experienced more whiplash in uh, romantic <laughs> content and the messaging it sends in millennials. And it's like nothing has changed. But at the same time, in the past, like, five, ten years, people put a little bit more effort into not treating the audience like they're stupid sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. I guess, Yeah, sometimes. But you it, cover more than The Bachelor. You do, like, Love is Blind, Ultimatum, old rom-coms, like broad category of romantic reality we're we're just interested
2: in yeah in romantic stories as a whole you know it started with the bachelor but we consume so many other dating shows and then also fiction you know romantic narrative and so we were like how can
0: we
1: mash this all together
0: have you guys gone back and watched like joe millionaire oh my god no,
1: but I think about it weirdly often.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think about the, the slurping noise that were subtitled in the bushes yes. weirdly
1: often. <laughs> I mean, that was like a cultural moment, that slurp. Yes. that slurping It was. Noise from it the was bushes. the most
0: scandalous thing I had seen on primetime. You know, like you don't get a lot of slurps <laughs> at 8 p.m. on network TV. <laughs> so and that's exciting. like,
1: I feel like Joe Millionaire was like the template also for just a kind of reality dating show that's like, Let's trick these stupid women to see if they will yes. lo- actually love men or or actually prefer money. Like, I want to marry Harry, and then like Joe Millionaire came back, or mm-hmm. like all these shows where there's like a cash prize, and then it's like, or you could have the man. It's right. It's like just take like the
0: money. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, they should take the money because they never want to look bad. The money, so they don't take the money, and then they break up in like two weeks.
0: Right. And I mean, and that's the Joe Millionaire era. I've thought about revisiting, but then it gets too dark, um, like the Swan Bridal Plasty. Yes, Those, when that was yeah. dark. Reality, so many plastic surgery shows. Reality contestants weren't. There was an inhumanity at the time that I do think we've grown out of a, a little bit. I hope where it was just like, let's make fun of these people and treat it like it's normal that they've let themselves go. That they are fundamentally ugly ducklings. Like it it just it's so I mean, yeah. It's troubling to look back. It's I don't the think, freak
2: show. It's the yeah, freak show yes. brand
0: of reality
1: show, which is kind of like a whole and I don't whole think, subset. I don't I think that there was an ease in executing that back then because what were those people gonna do about it? Like we have much more direct relationships with right. each other now because of social media. And so we are able to often hear from contestants after they get off the show like see what they're up to like are they posting about how the show put them through emotional trauma sometimes at, like where there's a bit of accountability on that end that that there's a bit more empowerment for contestants because they can directly reach their audiences now yeah and yet i'm like i bet someone would bring back bridal plasty now I could I see know. it. Like, if I saw a promo for, like, plastic rebooted,
0: I would not be shocked Not be at shocked. All. <laughs> no, never. be, like, never. rebooted, but with injectables. Like, wow, can you believe you can do all this but not go under the knife?
2: And then they'd be like, this isn't about really changing you. This is about you feeling better on the inside by right.
0: transforming right. your outside. They'd have, like, a beautiful wellness You're spin so on right. it. so right. Yeah. You're so right. I even, like... I was I did an episode on the Duggars last week, and I was talking about my journey with TLC and how it's just always been my least favorite reality programming, especially when I rewatch say, i am um, not say as to the dress, uh, what not to wear. There was this benevolence to attacking mm. people's appearance where Stacey London was like, you look like a garbage person in, in horizontal stripes. And I was like, <laughs> she does. Stacy's doing a service. <laughs> and like, now I feel like that was so mean. <laughs> And Stacey had such a
1: reckoning with it. Like a few years ago, she wrote an essay or did an interview where she really went into how her own perspective on fashion has changed as she's gotten older and is much more about personal expression. And she was like, I really like fucked people.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm glad to hear that because I was rewatching it. I was like, this feels rude. Like all of it does. Today's (laughs) show, Ambush Makeover, like all of it does. Anything where someone nominates you for having let yourself go feels rude.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it's always like your husband or your best friend and you're
2: like, great. Glad to know you're in my corner. The only show that's managed to thread that needle, I Mm, think, like in the reboot, where you don't feel like these people are just like terrible and pathetic. It's more like they've done, they try to find people who've like done something so beautiful for their community that they don't take care of themselves well (laughs) enough.
0: Right. It used to just be like- get to feel good about it. Mom's burden with cognitive and in-home labor in ways that just didn't feel right. Now it's people that have like selflessness in this big community impactful way. That kind of expands it beyond the sadness of the issues of, you know, women not being supported. (laughs) Yeah. Um,
1: no, that yeah. was like most of what not to wear was just moms yeah, who hadn't had time to get a haircut who in 15 years. Still
0: aren't a twin, like a Cole's twin
1: set. They They're got like the answer the 90s. is
0: shaming them. <laughs> yeah. You just shame the
1: moms hard enough. Your children don't want to be seen with you at school pickup because you've been too busy caring for them
0: <laughs> right. to go
1: shopping in a but decade. The,
0: the problem was they were always getting such funky haircuts that required so much styling. Like, if you get a short, yes. funky haircut, you have to blow it out. Yes. I always thought about
2: that. I was like, who, who would have the time to keep this up? This yeah. is just mean.
0: Or they're in their hair dyed, like,
1: red. And I'm like... A lot of red. So they're going to have to go back <laughs> every six weeks.
0: You're so right. Okay, so rom-com-wise, what are some recent rom-coms you've reviewed on the show that, like, surprised you, good or bad? Oh. I, I feel like
2: we revisited... um Greece last summer, mm. and
1: yeah, we just re-released we, that one. We just re-released was...
2: that episode, and that was so interesting because I think both of us had gone through a lot of phases about our feelings with Greece, and then you read about it and you we, you dig into the actual history of like the the play and and the cultural specificity that was in the original, and how much of that was stripped out for the movie, and like the the actual. Things that that um, Greece was trying to satirize, which are were very culturally specific, and it just made me totally rethink how, yeah, how I was interpreting Greece. So that was a really fun one.
1: Yeah, we we've done a lot of good ones because we've been focusing on teen rom coms mm. this spring, which I think is a very rich genre, and uh, never been kissed. Um,
0: oh, that one's a little creepy. Holds up
1: even worse than you would expect. <laughs> yeah, in terms of creepiness.
0: For the listeners, that it's I believe that's one where dark. a teacher, like the second Josie Grossi, like allegedly graduates, and he finds out she's not. Like he was already pursuing her while she was a student, right? Yeah. Essentially and then with he's enough like, like
1: plausible deniability. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's upset to find out that she was lying to him and she's actually older, but he comes around and <laughs> kisses her anyway. Um, meanwhile, she is like dating a high school student as part of her deep cover because she's a journalist. <laughs> but she is 25. And she's a lot of ju- great journalism,
2: like good journalistic ethics and never been kissed. <laughs>
1: Yeah. But a lot of the ones that we watch really hold up. In fact, I think even the ones from the 90s surprisingly feel more modern than a lot of the ones from the, the 2000s. Yeah, Ten yeah. Things I Hate About You really holds up and feels very modern in a lot of ways. Clueless, Clueless I think. And then you get into like Easy A and Never Been Kissed and you're like, this actually feels almost more retrograde in certain <laughs> ways.
0: Yeah. When we were um so we did 10 things. Um I was on your podcast and we did 10 things. And yes. I brought up during that that my take that because I hadn't revisited Greece and I was like, Yeah, I feel like my takeaway from that was like change your personality, wear all black, develop a nicotine habit, like be a fiercer version of yourself, and then you'll get the guy and you were, you guys were like, no, it's more astute cultural commentary. And I was like, I had no idea. So you need I need to listen to that episode of yours cuz I'm interested to hear the background on that cuz that's a millennial sleepover classic that's embedded into all of our brains. Yes.
2: Oh, that's such Oh, wait, I love that. Millennial sleepover classic. That's so true.
0: I have so many memories of like so dancing real. to tell me more, tell
2: me more. Like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Obviously. Yes. The amount of like, yeah, like talent show performances I witnessed of Summer yeah. Love In between like two elementary schools. That's the thing. Greece
1: was very mediated to me by high school productions of Greece. <laughs> yeah. And so to really sit with the actual movie for the first time since I was very young. I was like, oh, they're doing something a little different from what most high school productions I was
0: watching were doing. It's a lot dirtier. (laughs) A lot dirtier. Yeah. Speaking of Olivia Newton John, the I mean, one of the most troubling parts of the wedding planner, the shade to the song I Honestly Love You is so uncalled for. (laughs) I
2: mean, and wow! Teal. I mean, yeah. This is this movie is like an aggressive strike against teal and Olivia, <laughs> I mean, Newton-John, teal and <laughs> Olivia Newton-John, and also colorful M and M's. Like, how dare they? Yes. Okay, so <laughs>
0: yeah. I, even though I've encouraged people to watch before, quick synopsis. So uh, a pre-Monster in Law animated in Manhattan, but post on the Six in green Versace dress JLo. Stars in The Wedding Planner, where a perpetually single perfectionist workaholic named Mary Fiore, who plans weddings for a living because those who can't wed plan, is so devoted to her career that she doesn't have time to find a man. But things change when she takes on a lucrative new client, the Donnellys, and money is no object in regard to their upcoming marriage of their daughter, Fran. Mary is victim to an unlikely accident involving a runaway dumpster, as one is <laughs> during wedding preparations. <laughs> she literally and figuratively is swept off her feet by Steve Ev- Edison, a charming pediatrician who just happens to be the fiance of Fran Donnelly, an angular blonde lady who has the audacity to want to plan a nice function and pay someone a lot of money to do so with her longtime boyfriend. <laughs> so this movie to me is like kind of one of the I don't know, it's it's one of the nuts and bolts of what I think is the. 90s 2000s wedding industrial complex in terms of how it portrays the excitement the fanfare the extravagance of weddings and just even her having a britney spears headset and executing these weddings like it just made me feel something all over again (laughs) yeah it's so funny the treatment of of weddings and marriage by this
2: movie because on the one hand it is like gorgeous and grand and treated as this rite of passage that like every little girl has dreamed of since infancy basically and like this beautiful thing that you have to want and that says and and that your choices around a wedding say so much about you fundamentally and then on the other side Claire and I were like texting during the beginning wedding scene and we both were like what is this deranged idea <laughs> of what a wedding is like why why in in the world of this movie like no one gets married to anyone they actually like. Right.
0: They yeah. basically
2: have to be forced down the aisle. No one can behave like a human being even for like 5 minutes.
1: Yeah, the opening <laughs> scene uh you know after the little Barbie play that that little yeah. Mary Fiore does is of wedding planner Mary talking down a bride with what we learn is an extremely practiced scripted speech. <laughs> that is intended to convince a bride that she can get married because she's not fat and the groom <laughs> thinks she's very beautiful. Okay, the w- And it's like, opening. I guess every wedding, she has a bride she's who's like, like I don't actually want to get that. married because I'm fat and I, I'm i like, marrying the wrong guy. She's every like, wedding. My job,
2: my job is just to <laughs> convince women who realize they <laughs> don't
0: want to be married. They must walk down the aisle. <laughs> No, oh, you're so right. It oh, It's so 2001 in that it just opens with body negativity, like right out the gate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they cannot help themselves. So it starts out like, yeah, she has this bride that's like looks like her Barbie who I don't know if they're trying to position it as cold feet, but she calls herself fat. And the way Mary consoles her is by being like, you're going to be the envy of your sister-in-law Janice, who said I'd kill for Tracy's thighs. Which is not only a lie, it, the whole thing feels diabolical. Like,
1: yeah. it's scripted,
0: it's a lie, and I guess her job is not to co- create pause, it's to get people down the aisle at all costs. Yeah,
1: what it's could really mess bleak. up her, her portfolio more than a runaway <laughs> bride? Like, so she true. needs the star of the show <laughs> to hit the mark at the appropriate time. This is a, sh- it's a production. Like, I feel like there was this whole decade of movies that weren't really rom-com so much as they were just about how important and expensive weddings are.
0: Absolutely. Like,
1: Bride, bride Wars. Wars. And yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: obviously. Which like, is almost like in response to all these movies.
0: Yes. It, it almost, um, they all have, like, their own trope. Like, you know, like, um... My best friend's wedding is like not only wanting to marry your best friend and they're marrying the wrong person, but also a pact to get married before 28. And like my big fat Greek (laughs) wedding is like she has to get married before 30. Maid of honor is best friend marrying the wrong person. I like wedding planner because I love a a forced proximity trope where like they do not want to be near. Mm. Like the proposal is another one. Oh, the proposal! So good. <laughs> it's so good, and like then there's then it almost spun off to the in-law problems to meet the parents, the monster in-laws. Like there were endless things surrounding weddings to cover, and they all <laughs> have a lot of overlap. And then like runaway brides, run away at the altar. I think wedding singer, the guy's wife ran away at the altar from him, and yeah, she never showed up. Yeah. And then and that's yeah. another one where the vendor gets with the bride, right? And um then my favorite is Deborah Messing taking six thousand dollars out of her 401k because she cannot show up to a wedding without a date in the wedding date.
1: <laughs> and isn't that because her sister's fiance left her for her for sister? Her sister.
0: Yes. And we're not examining that. So she is at can't. her ex's wedding to her, her sister. Sister. Uh, yeah, <laughs> who's kind of a Malin Ackerman type from Twenty Seven Dresses in terms of like a bad sister. Another great movie that's that. actually just I- about weddings. As it, and then yeah, Runaway Bride and Twenty Seven Dressings have that journalism angle that I know you journalists love because it's so realistic. Oh,
1: yeah. It's always
2: <laughs> it's very so accurate. yeah, it's so accurate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, there's like <gasps> they're all so like amazingly tropey, and I think really set. I think it really um, set up kind of the Pinterest wedding era in a big way where we then were given the tools to overemphasize these details that we grew up being told were so important.
1: Yeah. It's interesting like how the wedding planner typifies this sort of wedding aesthetic that I think a lot of people in our demographic really reacted against, which is like, oh, weddings all have to look a certain way. You're gonna wear a traditional gown, you're gonna have it maybe at like a uh like in a ballroom, at a country you know, club or, or yeah, a country club. You're gonna have the traditional maybe flowers the gardens and fixings, maybe the gardens, <laughs> if you're getting really creative, um, and you're going to have the perfect updo. And I feel like much more brides wanted to emphasize something that made them a little more authentic. That like you don't want to be the bride who's freaking totally. out because you're too fat and you're marrying the wrong guy and the wedding planner has to like lie to you to get you down the aisle. You want to be the like authentic, earthy, cool bride who's like no big deal, it's just a day to celebrate me and my best friend. <laughs> so and I, I think that, that generation was Brooklyn formed warehouses. by the wedding planner. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> Warehouse for me, it was yeah, an
2: old where rope all factory. The authentic <laughs> brides get married.
0: <laughs> yeah. And they... I believe I called my uh, wedding decor deconstructed centerpieces, but what it was was garland. Uh, not oh, de- yeah, <laughs> you know, you just like wanted to brand <laughs> stuff. Chill, you're like you're absolutely right. We were we were kind of um, yeah, like a modernized and even though I hate this term, form of bridezilla where the goal was to not be cookie cutter.
1: Yeah, and then you're like, oh no, now everyone's using mason
0: jars. Fuck, yeah. like. Sorry. I was oh I my. was la- you know you can curse. I was laughing when um, Mary was like kind of doing the wistful thing where she was like botanical gardens night Tent, silk tents so these thin you can see the stars and I'm like what if there was a 2011 wedding planner that was like chevron table runners mason jars burlap <laughs> lace you know cuz like Mary's actually stood the test of time but ours would not have <laughs>
1: Classic is always classic.
0: (laughs) It's true. Although I did
1: find myself down a rabbit hole today of Googling silk tents so that you can see the stars because I'm like, is "Is that that real? I've never seen that. I'm not getting invited to enough new money weddings in the botanical gardens. I know, I'm like, do you mean
0: a poncho, Mary? Like, I don't know of anything that's (laughs) see-through enough to see the stars. (laughs) But what was funny about Mary, too, is like, I gather we're supposed to know she's, like, big time. And she, like, drops it. She did Whitney Houston's wedding, which I thought was funny. Yeah. yeah. What?
1: And then she <laughs> says that the wedding of this random food entrepreneur's daughter is going to be their biggest client ever. No, Whitney Houston was your biggest <laughs> client ever. Right?
0: No, they were I like, know. that was a
1: good joke. <laughs> we're going to ignore that now.
0: <laughs> yes, they r- go right into, like, big sausage. Like, they these family... <laughs> Acquired a sausage company five years ago, and that's why they're so wealthy, I think is what they said. And they need to
2: lure them in again, not with Whitney Houston, but with the Murdoch Murdoch. family. (laughs) Which dark. (laughs) Extremely dark. So
0: dark. And what's funny is so like they they open in and to show like she she runs a tight ship, she has the microphone, she, you know, there's so much chaos, blah, blah, blah. She has she Judy sprays, Greer. She has Judy Greer, who's such an important staple of the wedding industrial <laughs> complex and rom coms. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, the father of the bride is f- having a panic attack, won't w- walk down the aisle. I didn't notice before. She sprays him with Evian and then, like, apparently gives him a prescription sedative. Did oh, you my she notice God. that she, she pulls what? a prescription bottle out of her...
2: I like, did, but I'm also like, I feel like that would have the opposite effect because he seemed to be already quite drunk. So it's like two depressants. I yeah, know. she's going to kill him. Yeah, he's just
0: going to pass out. I don't know how much this man is drunk, but what he
1: needs is a Xanax and a system <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I did not I, notice it, that. Oh, my God. I, I meant to pause on it because like there was like a name or address on the prescription bottle and I wasn't sure if it was like some Easter egg. Um, <laughs> then that's so okay, funny. I, I, I'll... <laughs> The way that no
1: one can do a single thing, like, that they're supposed to be doing at these weddings. Like, at my wedding, I do not recall anyone getting drunk and having a meltdown or going (laughs) to the bathroom moments before the ceremony. Like, people kind of know what they're supposed to be doing in every wedding I have ever been to.
0: (laughs) The priest, like, really had to go potty. And I was kind of like, let him go. (laughs) And I was like, let him pee. Like, you're waiting for the drunk father. Like, let this man go to the bathroom. (laughs) and then oh so we show her as this like powerhouse wedding planner and then what made me laugh as an adult now as we pan to her beautiful san francisco apartment in a scene that is supposed to be sad and lonely that i'm sure i'm not alone in saying is my ideal weekend night <laughs> oh my god kate thank you because i had the same reaction dinner. i was like and watching
2: antiques roadshow I was like, wait, this is supposed to be depressing. It's it's very similar to the scene that they have in Miss Congeniality, where it's like the mm-hmm. strong career woman goes back to her sad solo apartment and nothing has ever
1: been sadder than this woman yeah. doing things <laughs> she likes to do. Where she doesn't alone. have to cook dinner for anyone. It's so sad. Also, like the thing that leads into that is a woman looking at her from the crowd at the wedding and saying... That's the wedding planner. Her (laughs) life must be so romantic.
0: romantic.
1: (laughs) Who thinks that about wedding planners?
0: Who notices wedding planners when you're at a wedding? (laughs) And even like, you guys I'm sure have been a bridesmaid. I always laugh at like the coordinator at the rehearsal with like sweaty temples and a clipboard telling us how to walk in a straight line like kindergartners. It's just never a person I'm that endeared toward. They're always just, like, stressed. And I feel like I never notice or point out the wedding planner unless I'm a bridesmaid and she's just, like, ordering us around. Yeah. And I had the loveliest wedding planner. She was
1: great. And I never really thought to myself about how romantic her life must be. I was like, this is her job. She's very good at it. (laughs) She's making my life easier.
0: (laughs) Who's making her life romantic?
1: She's making my life romantic. No one's making her life romantic.
0: I feel like there's something about the um, prop character of the TV dinner tray that is supposed to signal something to us. Oh, just like deep sadness. Like if you are a woman who is
2: so wrapped up in her career that you don't even have a man and a child to cook for and you don't have time to make a gourmet meal. (laughs) You're doing something
1: wrong, lady.
0: <laughs> she had a I look at that now and I'm like, wow. Living
1: alone was great. It I was miss so it. Good. But <laughs> the thing is, we would never see that scene now because we don't need TV trays anymore. We just put our laptop on the table and true. we pull up Netflix. This is That's just me. true. I still do this after my son goes to sleep. I'm like, I'll be eating a grilled cheese in front of my computer, and my husband's like, okay. <laughs>
0: I love yeah, it. in front the of the TV. <laughs> I so love it.
2: It's great. <laughs>
0: Well, and then she um well and like I feel TV TV trace kind of made a comeback on housewives because that's the only way Kathy Hilton eats. And I feel like they made it look glamorous. <laughs> Imagine having a whole um, separate piece of furniture to eat in front of
1: the TV. That is romance. Romanticizer <laughs> <your> TV dinners.
0: <laughs> Innovative. Um and then I think they use the apartment scene to show us what almost every rom-com wants to show. Which I think is a funny trope. I wanted to ask you guys about the Type A neurotic control freak. So she starts to like vacuum her curtains before bed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like, why is every woman unlucky in love a control freak?
1: Because that's why she's unlucky in love. She's too control. Men want to be right, in control. Yeah. They don't want someone who vacuums her. Well, they actually do want someone who vacuums her curtains but they want her to be vacuuming the curtains because he expects the vacuums that the curtains to be vacuumed not because right. she's like in charge or something
0: <laughs> right that's they dumb want yeah. chill. Like, this lady needs, needs like to,
2: <laughs> she needs to catch a dick and chill out
0: <laughs> that's the real lesson i just like I, I can't i can't find a rom-com where like they don't make it abundantly clear this person has like control issues, but like, she's just tidy likes things a certain way, lives on her own. I don't know. I just, I love picking up on the cues where they want you to, to tell you how to feel about the character. So yes. we know she's lonely. <laughs> we know she's type a neurotic and we know she's a good person. Cause she plays Scrabble with the elderly. Yeah. Which yeah. is such a wholesome hobby. I also think the control freak
1: thing is interesting. Cause it kind of signals that she'll be a good housewife yes right like you don't want to like, messy she's woman she's capable she'll run your house like a tight ship she'll brush your children's teeth and hair every day like she'll have dinner right. on the table she's competent she's detail oriented but it's so sad to see all of that being done just for herself
0: <laughs> right <laughs> where are the people right. she's
1: serving <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> i know and i remember watching it when i was younger and feeling sad I think it is that though
1: because she doesn't have any hobbies i'm like what are you doing with your life it's true like she's occupying herself with vacuuming her curtains what if her life was full of like a passion for the cinema or for literature or she played the piano or something i I, they never do it that way that would feel different
2: it's also like they they use all of these other things to tell you that this thing is sad, right? Like we see her looking forlorn. The music gets all <laughs> soft and wistful, right. like there's all these this <laughs> mood setting that, like as yeah, as a kid watching this in theaters, you're just like, well, obviously she's sad. The movie right. is telling me that she's sad, yeah.
0: Well, now I'm so like, the really sad part is you, you're watching Antiques Roadshow Columbus. That's not where the gems are, Mary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wrong city. Uh, okay, so the next day, I think, is when she she's doing something, and she gets her shoe stuck in like a grate or a sewer. The Gucci shoe. Her <laughs> new, new Gucci shoe. Her new Gucci shoe. Cab driver spills ice cream. Who I believe shows up later in the cab on the way to that's the same cab that Matthew McConaughey takes to the city hall, right? Yes. Um, he drops his ice cream, hits a dumpster. <laughs> she can't get her shoe out and then she gets her shoe off and then she goes back to get the shoe and the dumpster's coming at her. Matthew McConaughey hurls herself himself at her. They like tumble on the on the concrete and this scene, to me, was considerably creepier than I remember. Yeah, she yeah. asked him to
1: get off of her twice. Twice! he makes <laughs> no. any move to get off of her, and he is
0: not quick about it, either. He's talking so close to her face and pets her hair. It... Having
1: been in more adult interactions with strangers since watching this movie originally... It really is striking me much more strongly how weird it would be if you had some sort of incidental unplanned contact with a stranger adult man and he stayed laying on top of you and petted your hair for a long time. I guess and, I just thought that was normal when I <laughs> first
2: yeah, watched it. Yeah, now too. you're like, oh, I would have a panic attack as
1: a result <laughs> yeah, of that. Yeah, that would not Think be was... perceived as acceptable.
2: <laughs> no, it wouldn't be cute. And then they drag it out and it's very unclear like what is going on with her health. Because she <laughs> yes, is fully right. conscious and talking, and gets up, and then says a few lines about how he like smells like grilled cheese sandwiches <laughs> and sweet and red then, plums,
0: and then she passes out. What like, do plums what is this delayed?
1: What do plums even smell like? I honestly I don't know. Couldn't tell you. I
0: was trying to think of the same thing. The Bath and Body Works scent Plumeria was a thing for a minute, but I don't know if that was. But I think yeah.
1: that's a kind of flower. Yeah, I don't think that's right. the plum. <laughs> What's I read? Okay, we read I, an oral history of the movie in which the screen, screenwriters were like, We thought that was the line that was so romantic that would really stick. And I was like, Why? What, what does that mean? Moms and grilled cheese sandwiches? <sighs> it evokes nothing for me. You can tell it that a man was the lead
2: writer on this screenplay.
0: Is I did not look into that. Was is that true? Is it was it was, a man it and was, a woman yeah, writing a team.
2: team, and then it was uh, directed by a man.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Um, I feel, and then she gets the neck brace. Yeah, the neck. I mean, so so many questions regarding her, her medical care, and why she was (laughs) passed out and then woke up in the neck brace. Also, it is kind of why. What is this children's hospital that's just
2: letting sick children like gallivant? And torture random patients.
1: They're at the children's wing of a hospital, which means surely there was a regular adult adult hospital bed she could have taken. He's like, I am
2: taking this patient hostage. Me, Steve Edison, the best man alive. So I can
1: neg her about her neck, how her neck is bigger than a six year old's.
0: I feel like in real life, too, I'm like, in San Francisco, if you were helped, I mean, if you were saved in San Francisco, it would be more likely it would like, by an account executive at salesforce like it was it's almost <laughs> too lucky that it was this like hands, it, that, that's kind of a bachelory job like a handsome job as pediatrician you know oh, like yeah. it, it was almost too perfect and in her waking up in the children's wing i just i think the ethical thing to do would have been to send her to the adult place yeah. if she was actually yeah. hurt
1: but why didn't she
0: remember getting by. from the street to the bed if she wasn't she concussed? Was, in, <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't make sense.
2: This is a very convenient medical condition specifically for Steve wanting to scam on this lady. Also,
1: here's what apparently <laughs> happened. She got up conscious, passed out, presumably from shock or something, I guess, oh. and then stayed unconscious while he allegedly ran like a bunch of tests on her including like, like an mri mri and x-rays and i'm like that's not ethical she was yeah. not awake to she consent to these scan. procedures yeah.
2: what are you doing he's just like that. doing radiation on her she's completely unconscious
0: oh that's so true and like that the movie in a lot of movies actually make it seem like pediatricians play with kids for a living yeah and like the kids just run a- run about. and I don't think I'm that's like, the case. Yeah. I His ha- kids must be getting medical treatment if they're
2: <laughs> regulars in the children's wing. yeah, they must like be like extremely, extremely extremely ill. Ill.
1: <laughs> having I'm been in terrible. a pediatric wing at a hospital in the last few years, not the vibe that I was. <laughs> confronted with it's not just all. cute very healthy looking children running around playing doctor no also he says they haven't had any patients older than six but pediatricians do actually treat children up to the age of 18
0: i was gonna so say I, don't... I went to my pediatrician way too long if that's the case
1: oh yeah i went to one probably until i was 21 but at the at the pediatric hospital you could you could have a baby or you could have any like a 17 <laughs> 18 year old so, someone with an adult sized neck, I think they should have had access to an adult sized neck brace, is what I'm saying. They absolutely
0: should have. So, she um, uh, eventually gets up, makes her way to his office, looks comedically not disheveled, but we're supposed to believe she looks disheveled where she panic like fixes her hair. <laughs> she <laughs> looks stunning. Perfect. And She's then like, finally, me, Judy a queer. messy bun.
2: Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> So then we hear Judy Greer, like, exasperated hours after this happened, hours after the non-consensual radiation. She's, <laughs> si- she's waiting for the doctor. And then, like, Judy doesn't even say, like, are you okay? She just immediately launches into inviting him to this movie night in Golden Gate Park, to which he obliges. That whole, that whole transition was weird, too.
1: Yeah, they this don't even is- have to do, like, a no, we were just so grateful. I'm so grateful that you saved my friend's life. Like, please let us take you out to a movie. Right. He's just like, cool, these strangers are inviting me to a movie. I don't have anything else going on. I'm not like planning a wedding with my fiance or, you know, having any existing social life prior to this woman.
0: Everyone in Mary's life is just so preoccupied with getting her set up. It's sad. Like... The dad just wants her to, to marry Massimo, Judy Greer. Like, uh, you know, she mentors her and looks up to her, and they're allegedly friends. But she doesn't even ask her if she's okay. She doesn't ask the guy if he's married. She just assumes that there is a man in the room, so therefore they should go on a forced date. Yeah, Mary's <laughs> father like barely
2: treats her like a human being. He's like, I found you an Italian stalker who's willing <laughs> willing to wed you. I'm going to marry. I'm going to measure you. Your wedding gown while you are asleep.
0: <laughs> and and it you know her what? Head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay. the traditional for a, for wedding measure, gown measurements. <laughs> yeah. For the wedding
1: bonnet. She does actually <laughs> end up wearing a hat to her she wedding.
0: Does. So she does. Father knows right. best. I skipped over that scene, the Scrabble scene. So yeah, when we meet the father, so she's apparently supposed to be Italian in this movie. And oh yeah, I love <laughs> that they were like Lo
2: famously not an italian woman like very much latina right and they were like right. well but y- if you were a little whiter but still ethnic then you'd be italian it
0: would not it's like have a changed very the plot uncomfortable all, to just let her be from puerto rico it's,
2: and it's yeah. right exactly i'm like why don't you just have
1: her have a puerto rican family she is puerto rican it's i mean, it's, it's just very classic whitewashing right yeah. they're like it's just so much more appealing to a mainstream audience to have her be an italian a mainstream white audience to have her be the child of italian immigrants you're so right
0: because not, there's not like source puerto material rican. they just made it up like no could have been anything no it was it was just classic uh
2: and it was not something that obviously I like took note of really when I was first watching it. And then watching it now, it stood out so much. I was like, why are they forcing J-Lo to pretend she's white? Like, this is very weird. It's
1: like watching old Meghan Markle Hallmark movies where her parents are like the whitest people alive. (laughs) And you're
0: like, this seemed normal to them. I do love old Meghan Markle Hallmark movie. I love the romantic Fourth of July movie. That's my favorite. Yes, that's like literally the one I was thinking of. Oh my god, I need to watch that. Um. So yeah, the, the I guess the parents. I don't know. What, my lights going out. I don't know when they we reveal her parents. So she lost her mom. Her. I think she like has. I think we're supposed to gather. She has a lot of respect for her dad, even though I agree he doesn't really treat her like a human. And he found her a stalker slash person she's known for her whole <laughs> life named Massimo, who's that guy from Grey's Anatomy, who's kind of doing like a Borat. He's it's like not a yeah, it's not even a it's not ridiculous. an authentic <laughs> Italian <accent. laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like totally. I want the three <laughs> sons and a yes. garden of tomatoes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and there's this thing that happens in movies and tv that irritates me that's so small where somebody bases a person's character off of an isolated childhood thing that they did that no one cares about like massimo he used to eat mud and it's like who cares like well and it's (laughs) treated as immensely
1: rude of him to do the same thing to her like when he's like oh when you were young your head was too big for your body and she's like what an asshole. Also, the only thing that matters about him is that he ate mud once as a six year old.
2: Right. <laughs> no one treats anyone like a human being in this movie. Like, she no. just, she treats Massimo like dirt and that's like he's just like a little robot
0: following her around, which yeah, I guess and that's it, kind of how he's acting. <laughs> yeah. It is kind of like you're supposed to see him as unintelligent because. Yeah. He's like, because. I, it, He's not a native English speaker, which right. is very
2: uncomfortable to consider now,
0: right? And he's the one redeeming moment, I guess, of the Dollhouse, and that's why she ultimately falls for him. I actually kind of stopped following at that point because it felt a bit rushed. But before we get to that, so okay, after so they go to when they're they're um, at the what's it called Golden Gate Park. This part is really interesting to rewatch, knowing now that he is the engaged man, because he goes re- <laughs> he lets it go really far. Yeah, I don't know if a cliffhanger is possible for a movie that came out 20 years ago, but neither here nor there. I wanted to thank our last advertiser for this week. That is single-handedly going to keep me afloat during my mat leave, and that is Hungry Root. Whenever I'm asked what's for dinner, uh, the question stresses me out. All I need is to have my fridge filled with with food and simple recipes so I can do other things in my schedule that I enjoy more than meal planning. And Hungry Root does just this. Hungry Root is the perfect marriage of, it's not just a recipe kit that sends like parsed out ingredients or a grocery delivery service, it's both. It sends groceries with recipes that you can use, but they're full-size recipes that you do not have to use. So therefore you're not cornered into making an elaborate chutney on a Wednesday if you've had a tough day. I love Hungry Root because they also have, you can pick breakfast, lunch, dinner. You can pick snacks. They have really unique and healthy snacks they send that I hadn't seen before. And like, they'll have like organic cheese balls. And I'm like, yeah, that apps, that, I didn't even know that was possible. This is amazing. And as you well know, they're sous vide, uh, half chicken. My husband and I eat all the time. And you basically can go on their website and take a fun, short quiz. And they, Hungry Root will get to know you, your goals, how you like to eat. What flavors do you like? Which kitchen appliances do you do you use? Not only are they asking about the important basics to me, like food allergies and how many quantities and, you know, which meals you want and how many snacks. But they're also digging into, like, what flavors do you like? What snacks do you like? Are you more of a pretzels gal? Are you more into yogurt or nuts or so on and so forth? They even ask which kitchen appliances you use. I hate when a recipe is like, get out your food processor and I don't have one. They keep your needs top of mind and start building your cart. And they'll recommend groceries based on your taste and you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want like us that overrides and always picks the half chicken and you'll get your pick of fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy snacks and sweets and much more. And I've loved hearing from those of you that have reached out that are like me and are like not wanting to meal plan and find grocery shopping overwhelming. It's just so convenient to have this show up at my door based on my taste, based on my past preferences and not just be these elaborate meals I have to cook, but I have like Snacks and breakfast and lunch and all of these different things I can enjoy—it just—it makes a ton of sense. It's going to save me in the next several weeks. And uh, if you want to give it a try right now, Hungry Root is offering my listeners thirty percent off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to hungryroot.com/slash/be there in five to get thirty percent off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's hungryroot.com/slash/be there in five. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. We are deep into these summer days, and uh, all I'm ever after is that summer glow. You guys know I love Osea. So many of you have reached out and say you love it now, too. They are offering a rare opportunity to try their best seller's body hair set at a reduced price, and this has, like, the best of the... I, I don't even know how to describe my obsession. The set includes their TikTok famous and Beth famous Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Algae Body Butter, plus their ultra-rich anti-aging body balm and salts of the Earth Body Scrub. When I tell you this routine makes me, it's perfect for what I like to call a dolphin shower where I emerge like hairless and soft and moisturized. The Salt of the Earth Body scrub is so good. It smells amazing. It by itself leaves your skin like soft and buffed and ready to go. But paired with the body oil or the body butter, sometimes I add some self-tanner into it. And in different parts of my body, I'll use the anti-aging body balm. I just, these products are my holy grail for body care. And with the best sellers body care set, not only is it a reduced price, but they're in convenient TSA friendly sizes packed in a beautiful, reusable vegan leather bag. So you can enjoy silky, soft, radiant skin wherever summer travels take you. I think the biggest thing, as I've told you with the body oil is like, it doesn't, it's not greasy. It doesn't get on sheets or clothes, which is huge. And it just is next level when you pair it with the scrub to kind of get, you know, all the dead skin and to exfoliate a bit before you put on the rest of the products. And I just, you'll feel like a new person. I do every single time. I it's in my hospital bag. It goes with me everywhere. The set has a value of $78, but right now you can get it for only $52 at ocmmalibu.com. That's a 33% savings. And as a special treat for our listeners, you'll get an additional 10% off when you use our code. This summer, get glowing, healthy skin with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. And don't miss this rare opportunity to try Osea's bestsellers body care set for 33% off and 10% off your first order site wide with code BETHEREIN5 at Oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to Oseamalibu.com and use code BETHEREIN5 for 10% off. He is fully on a
2: date with this woman. And it's very clear that he's aware of that and that he is pursuing that.
1: Yes. There are many points at which he should have volunteered that he has a fiancé. For example, when she goes out of her way to point out a picture of a woman on his desk, and he's like, oh, that's my sister. And I'm like, great, now you say, I don't have a picture (laughs) up of my fiancé, but I really should. (laughs) Or, you know, I keep a picture of my fiancé in my my desk facing the other way. And then she brings up him being gay because he took ballroom dance lessons, and he's like, yeah, super gay. And she's so palpably disappointed. And instead of being like, I'm not gay, but I actually am not single either, he's like, don't worry, I'm not gay. (laughs) So straight. Everything's fine. Just...
2: Guys, don't worry about it because once this is revealed later, Steve provides what I think is a really rational explanation for his behavior, which is, quote, maybe I was just being a guy and an opportunity presented itself. Our hero. He does say that. Our hero. Yeah, our romantic hero. (laughs) He's like, what? I'm a man. So, oh, God.
0: Sue me. It really. I, I, this was, I guess, a few years before like Taylor Swift's picture to burn America where she had a gay joke in one of her songs that she has since taken out. I do forget that we ever existed in this world where that was like a, f- a joke freely made. It was like shocking to me to hear it in passing in yeah. a Jalen movie for some reason. It was so casually made. It was like, oh, obviously being gay is a punchline. We all know that. Yeah. Why did he say he did, uh, Who wh- she, what was the thing about pedicures? Oh, that was in an earlier scene. She's rejecting
1: a different suitor because he gets regular pedicures. And she's like, I don't trust a man who gets regular pedicures, which is so obviously also a reference <laughs> to like, he's to probably gay. Like there's something not right about a man who grooms. <laughs> and then he um, brings up ballroom lessons and she's like, oh, you're gay.
0: Oh, this is when they meet in the ballroom scene. No,
1: this is when they are in the park. dancing in the park. Yeah, because she asked him to dance along with the old movie. And she's like, you're pretty good. He's like, yeah, I took ballroom lessons.
0: Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. dancing the uh, only yeah.
1: yeah. the obvious answer
2: to that is you're gay. You're gay.
1: So. Also, Judy Greer is so clearly doing the setup thing where she makes a ludicrously thin excuse to leave after inviting him out to the movies with the two of them, you could just say, I have to help my friend with something. And she goes with my friend's brother's godmother needs her (laughs) fax cartridge replaced before she goes on safari (laughs) in Africa, which is like an excuse that's designed to call attention to the fact that it's fake, of course. And both uh, Steve and Mary are kind of laughing at how obvious and awkward it is. But he doesn't follow up on the fact that obviously the reason this is happening is to set him up with Mary. Because
2: here's the thing about Steve. He wanted to have sex <laughs> with this hot lady and then hope to never yes. see her again. Right. Which is another thing he says in defense of himself. I never thought I was going to see you again. I
1: never thought I was going to see you again.
2: okay. He's like, you understand. <laughs> I wanted to have sex with you and never speak to you again. I'm a man. <laughs> oh,
1: God.
0: So that was there there at the end of that scene that happens in movies a lot that irritates me because it's just so not realistic where two people almost kiss and then there's some like outside interference in real life. You would make that kiss happen like yeah. you would still do it. You can go back to a few it. raindrops wouldn't cramp your style.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's a little fig leaf so they can be like, well, he didn't actually cheat on Franny. He's still more redeemable. Yeah, they couldn't have actually kissed because if, you're supposed yeah. to like him. Yeah, if they made out in the park. It
2: right. Would... I will say on rewatch, I do not like Steve. <laughs> I, like I hate Steve. Steve is my enemy.
0: <laughs> He's kind of awful. He's he awful. Was so
2: douchey. He's yeah. awful. And He's like a an overt misogynist, which I did not notice in 2001.
0: Was this one of Ma- Ma- McConaughey's first rom coms?
2: Yeah, I think so. It was pretty early. I mean, he... When was How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days?
0: That was after. I think that was like 2003.
2: 2003. So, yeah, this would have been early. It also wasn't supposed to be him. <clears throat> it was supposed to be Brendan Fraser.
1: Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah And that. then
2: Brendan Fraser dropped out. Isn't that wild? And they had to, like, beg Matthew McConaughey to do it.
1: Yeah, this was his first. Fascinating. Rom-com. Yeah.
2: Also, guys, I was dying. I, I, I did go back and read some of the original reviews of the movie, and the male <laughs> critics hate Matthew McConaughey. Stephen Hunter really? in Washi- the Washington Post said he's described Steve as he's played by Matthew McConaughey, the world's most repulsive narcissist. I cannot explain Whoa. his being cast except to say that possibly someone somewhere thinks this fellow is attractive.
0: I Whoa. remember thinking he was the bee's knees.
1: Yeah, I, I was like, women, women think he's women attractive. Women think he's
2: attractive, Stephen. You don't understand. Um, yeah, no men really except Roger me Ebert gold. should have ever been allowed to
0: review rom-coms. But I did laugh at that line. I I, I was like. I, I was kind of dying that this thing had 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's hard to take a critical
1: eye on this movie and come away with the perspective that it's a good movie, I have to say. like, Although I, I also feel true. like there
2: have been many
0: worse. Wrong I comments. guess. Yeah. You can always get worse. This one is entertaining. It's yes. like... It's not the so bad, it's good genre. It's not like good as in like cinematic good. It's just like, it's just entertaining. And I think that at the time we were really brainwashed to root for the true love against all odds. And and I don't know if you guys remembered it this way, but for some reason I had a memory of thinking Fran was supposed to be positioned as kind of unlikable, but watching it, I'm like, Fran's actually great. There's not a thing wrong with Fran. Fran is
2: like the actual hero of this movie. Fran is wonderful. Fran deserves much better than Steve.
1: I think that that, I think the movie knows that. Like, I think the movie is very much in Fran's corner, which is one of the best things you can say about this movie. Like, she's not portrayed Like she and Steve aren't really in sync, right? Like she's a little more focused on her business deals, and he just wants to, like be a pediatrician. But it's not like malicious. She's not a bad person. she's not dumb. Mary really mm-hmm. respects her. like Mary yeah. wants to be her friend, and that kind of also signals to us that she's actually good. and then you have this breakup where it's framed as like, this is really a favorite of Fran, and it's like, yeah, it is really a favorite of Fran. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but then that's so dark. I remember it that way because <laughs> you're like, why? And now Mary is he has to deal with Mary. <laughs> yeah, I kind of was like, I I think I'm the problem because I was lo- I was lumping Mary in with kind of the blonde angular villains like Clarice Kensington from It Takes Two, like yes. Meredith Blake from The Parent Trap. There is a sharp eyebrow look of a blonde (laughs) uh, person you don't want the guy to end up with from this era that I was kind of confusing. She really Um, does have all
2: of those markers of like the witchy woman who is getting in the way of our beloved heroine. And then you rewatch it and you're like, Fran is wonderful. And yeah, she isn't positioned as the villain. Roger Ebert wrote about her. That she's an Anna Nicole Smith type who gets the joke and avoids all the usual cliches involving the woman who gets left at the altar, perhaps because she realizes, as we do, that getting dumped by Steve is far from the worst thing that can happen to her. We sense midway in the movie that Mary and Fran could have more interesting conversations with each other than either one will have with Steve. And no matter which one marries him, we sense a future five to eight years from now after the divorce when the two girls meet and share a good laugh about the doc. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Roger Ebert. Wow. got it. He really got it. He's an expert for a reason. He really hit the nail on the head in ways I did not when I first watched this. So do you guys. So how. Okay, Do you think she had an obligate an ethical obligation to tell Fran? That
1: I is a mean, really good question. Kind I, of, yeah. I honestly don't think she did because nothing that much happened. Like, he was being sleazy, for sure. But it's it stopped early enough in the process that I would be like, I don't have enough to go to Fran with. She's getting married. They're committed. Maybe this was a slip-up. That's their, that's their business. What's weird to me is the way that she... Drops such heavy hints that it's him in front of Fran. I know. And and also That's not the way.
2: They <laughs> continue to have, like, an emotional affair. Right.
1: I think once Mary uh, has, has him knocking on her door being like, I know every curve of your face. <laughs> maybe then you have an ethical obligation to yeah, go to maybe, Fran. <laughs>
2: maybe not at the beginning, but I feel like other lines were crossed. How is Fran gonna feel when yeah. she's like, "Oh, Steve did me this great favor and made me realize we shouldn't get married," and then like one day later he's married to her wedding
0: planner? Yeah, <laughs> I feel I that 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 did not tie the loose ends weren't tied up for me. I I don't I don't like that we never got to see Fran learn about the romance. Yeah, yeah, that's such because, a good point. But that would he never make the characters to to flawed.
1: Yeah. Steve they faces zero consequences for, like, any of his zero. actions. Yeah. Also very weird that Steve's family is not involved at any point in his wedding. Mm. So, like, there's no one to, like, hold Steve accountable except for this random golfing buddy of his who at one point is like, don't dump Fran.
0: She's great. Oh, yeah. And Steve is like, yeah. she is great.
2: Played by Kevin Pollack, which makes me think that
0: that was <laughs> a
1: bigger character that they then must have cut. Yeah, chopped. Yeah, there's no one to hold him accountable. He doesn't come clean to Fran when he's dumping her. He makes it seem like it's this sort of benevolent (laughs) option he's offering her to back out if she wants to. And then he immediately rushes over to initiate a romance with their wedding planner. Also, I'm going to say it doesn't really add up to to me on like my 15th watch throughout (laughs) my lifetime (laughs) that she doesn't know the groom's name. Because she got this tip from an engagement announcement in the society pages. And so presumably it would say who Fran was marrying and that his name was Steve Edison and that he was a supervising pediatrician at
2: the hospital. Wow, great, Claire. You were just finding (laughs) plot holes left and right. That's such a good point. Doesn't add up on either end. It doesn't make sense. Mary's like, I just saw that cover of Yahoo magazine and I knew. I didn't even have to (laughs) read the society
1: pages. Oh,
0: Oh, that America's new F.U. sausage money. Yeah. I can't resist. <laughs> the groom is irrelevant. Um, do, do I understand correctly that Mary, okay, Mary herself was cheated on. her Six years ago, her ex left her for the woman who planned her bridal shower. Yes. And yes. she found out that they were making out, found them making out in her car uh, at their rehearsal dinner. It's kind of weird that they went so far as to be like, Mary's ex left her for a vendor that planned her wedding-related <laughs> function, <laughs> and we're supposed to feel bad for her for that while she's doing the same thing. Well, because
2: now she's allowed to do it. She's a victim, so that gives her permission to do the same <laughs> thing to another woman.
1: That's how it works. Yeah, this is it's her turn to be yeah. chosen by a man who is supposed to marry someone else. <laughs>
2: Fair, I spare. thought that was like a too sp- too specific of a parallel. <laughs> yeah, they really like um, go deep into the history of this relationship, but also it feels totally inconsequential.
1: It's definitely meant to be yes. meant to be a telling parallel. Yeah. But why they think yes, it is
0: sympathetic for Mary in the end is unclear. So I I thought like the begin the first half of the movie was like so strong and then it kind of like drags a bit once flan, Fran fr, flies east for work. Better when I agree are. because I kind of start to tune out. This one, like I don't know, and th- that's when they go look for. St- also, if you've, pl- I mean. No, I guess t- to me it's kind of laughable that anybody would need to be in person with their wedding planner that much. There's just not that much to do all the time. And so she leaves for a week so they have to do these in-person things together like go pick out statues. Yeah. So and that's just like <laughs> misleading about wedding planning. <laughs> I-, I thought that was like the point of a
1: wedding planner is that you actually don't have to go do all that stuff. Right, like they oh, right. take some labor away from you. I that's- understand they're planning it in 3 months, so it's like a high pace like they're doing things more densely maybe than you would do it if you had a year to plan true but like why do you have a wedding planner if you can't trust your wedding planner to take some inspo photos and pick out the right statues Um, because mary fiore (laughs) does not
2: understand that you need a war statue of a naked man yeah to bolster (laughs) your own Fragile masculinity, Claire. Yeah. She can't be trusted with that task. <laughs> the
1: theme of this wedding is, I have a big dick. <laughs> <laughs> I have a huge dick and I'm a man.
0: That felt like an out-of-place scene. Like, in the movie, they're, they're like one five-minute period with a lot of dick jokes. And then there was one F-bomb where Judy Greer says, the Ritz fucking Carlton. I was like, was this movie rated R? They were like, we have space for one for fuck one. in
1: our budget. <laughs> and this feels like the right place. Yeah.
0: It They're was like, like Judy Greer Olsen deserves for... this. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah, she really, she really does. Um, I, I just kind of love how like there were cues about how, uh, what's his name, Eddie Steve is like super chill and like doesn't need all this fanfare because he wants a small wedding. Like, so does Mary. And, like, uh, oh, Bran wants a big one. That yeah. was
2: <laughs> such a weird moralizing thing, of like, uh, yeah, you suck if you want a big wedding. The best people. <laughs> want a very fancy small wedding on the beach okay that makes you morally better
1: <laughs> everyone knows right. that also it doesn't even seem like Fran particularly cares about
2: the wedding it's more Fran's for her parent like, whatever yeah I'll let my family have this networking opportunity that is my wedding
1: and if you're Steve and you apparently have no family and they're never mentioned and you have no friends and it just doesn't come up then like sure you can want whatever kind of wedding you want also
2: Steve never voices any of his opinions to Fran. Like, except Never. for like one time where he's like, this venue isn't my favorite, but mostly she'll try to get him involved. And he's just like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Like, what? I have to show up. OK. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever you want. Fine.
0: Yeah. Grooms are NIDs. Let's listen to details. Now That's What I Call Wedding Music. And
1: pick a <laughs> random ass song. <laughs> they listen to five seconds of each song and she's like, this is it, I think. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: Yeah. And that's where she like audibly snarks again. I honestly love you by Olivia, Newton- Olivia Newton-John what she says is a 14 month death wish leading to divorce um I I don't know if I don't know where that data comes from but you know <laughs> to think of hiring wedding planners And, you know, you building a relationship and paying them all this money, I hate the idea of them snarking behind your back about when you'll get divorced. They're just, like, absolutely
2: (laughs) mocking you, tearing you down behind your back, (laughs) like having a betting pool on the failure of your marriage. I think
1: there's sort of, like, an underbaked plot thread there, backstory thread, about how her marriage, her wedding getting derailed the way it did, made her cynical about weddings – that is very vaguely hinted at but not really sufficiently weighted in the way the movie actually turned out because you get these hints that like yeah she's like weirdly cynical about weddings she's lying to her brides to keep them Ah. on track she's betting on how long their weddings last (laughs) like she's viewing them in this very cold way and i don't think that that could possibly have been seen by the creators of the movie as like a sympathetic trait. I think it's supposed to be a sign of her damage. But then we don't ever really wow. see how that gets
2: Resol- resolved. That's, that's such a good point. And I think we've talked a lot Very about how point. the best romantic comedies are actually stories of personal growth. And for me, once I that sort of clicked in for me, it's kind of helpful to go in every rom-com and say like, what is the growth of the two main characters? Did they grow and did they grow together? And I think that would have been a great opportunity for them to really show a clear arc of emotional growth for Mary. And instead, we just don't really get that. And then you look at Steve and you're like, this fucking guy <laughs> didn't grow at all.
0: He yeah. he learned nothing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. That's such an interesting... Well, it- there, I actually didn't even pick up on that she was supposed to be a little bit, I hate this word, but like bitter toward weddings until I, didn't Steve tell her she's bitter? Or was it the dad? Somebody Someone, calls her a bitter woman.
1: Yeah, they're definitely, yeah. it's clear that her dad is like worried that she has been embittered. And that's why he wanted to like find her a perfect arranged marriage I husband. think Steve also does literally call her bitter. That's very Steve.
0: Like maybe on the horse or something.
1: It might have been during one of the scenes I wasn't paying close attention to because I. They get in
2: many fights in which Steve is just being (laughs) awful.
0: Yeah. But it's true that she is. I I really. Quite cold to them. I don't know. If my wedding planner
1: scoffed at my song selection audibly,
0: that would be the end. Um, Agree. And also, what vineyard has. Uh, they were they like went to Napa. There was a vineyard with full wedding venue, a hotel, horseback riding, a change of clothes, all in a day's time. It, it looks great of Kansas. A fitness center <laughs> for the male bonding. Again, which I didn't need another scene of him saving her.
1: And then he gets to like she calls him smug, and like he genuinely is being very smug. I'm like, you're still a piece of garbage. Like I'm so. Glad that you get to feel good about yourself for preventing her horse from throwing her, but that actually has nothing to do with all the other bullshit you've pulled. right. You're still a cheating dick. Yeah, <laughs> it's like how dare you not love me now?
0: <laughs> In your research, did, would, did I couldn't find? Was there a reason why she was always wearing lavender?
1: No, I didn't. No, really I didn't find,
0: find that. About that. I think
2: that maybe was just a big was... color yeah. at that time, like. I'm thinking about the Miss Congeniality dress when she has her makeover is that same color.
1: And mm. she's definitely always dressed in this sort of tastefully classic, feminine, feminine like sort of uh, in style, but but not trendy, tasteful n- neutrals and, and unobtrusive <laughs> hues. Yeah, like lavender is almost a neutral
0: because yeah. it's so... Uh, gentle on the eye. Yeah. So Lavender is basically neutral. And the, the rom-com starlets of the time were very pencil skirt forward, <laughs> very biz cash. Yeah. You well, think of Andy Anderson, Ava Mendez, and Hitch. Yes. like They all had these like really sharp crisp ox- for oxfords and pencil skirts and pumps in the city. And they just were very like Jones, New York. I don't know. Is that
2: why all... <laughs> millennials ended up like wearing pencil skirts to the club for in our early 20s
0: (laughs) like we saw these movies and we were like i
2: understand the assignment r.i.p my
1: banana republic pencil skirt i wore literally everywhere (laughs) for five
0: years no i really did think the epitome of like a professional woman was a pencil skirt
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it was never something that worked on my body ever. And
0: I tried so many
2: times. (laughs) (laughs) You're
0: so right. We did wear them as going like with going out tops. It's so weird. There
2: is a lot of really good TikToks (laughs) about like millennials getting ready for the club in two thousand nine or something. And it's just like a full office wear, like a tiny, tiny cropped blazer, like and a pencil skirt.
0: But in your head, it's being scored by Pussycat Dolls, don't you? Oh, um, if only. <laughs> um, so somehow we get from the week when Fran goes east for the mozzarella convention. Um, they have a lot of flirty moments. He confesses his love, like the strands in her eyes, the color, them wonderful, stops him and steals her breath, like Ugh. some weird speech um while like while she's talking to him on a silk pillow with a ton of lip gloss on um and then this i don't like this is a problem either i like didn't make the connection or i stopped paying attention um why all of a sudden does she have to marry Massimo immediately on fran and steve's wedding day Emotional reason. Yeah, there's no reason. There's no actual reason. And frankly,
2: I found it really <laughs> you don't tell pro- us, right? Professionally no. irresponsible. No, Her but I boss, think boss Kathy yes, Jimmy okay. is gonna
1: be furious. As long as the wedding goes <laughs> okay. off without a hitch, which it does not, great job, Mary. No, but I think that Mary <laughs> wants I think the reason she accepts Massimo is to have a reason not to be there <laughs> when Steve marries Fran, right? Her answer no. to Massimo no, is no, okay. Else? No.
2: <laughs> yeah, she's like, I guess. Well, I guess okay. I have to marry this
1: guy because I'm not. <laughs> and then marrying she Steve. goes out of her way to not be able to be at the wedding of the man she actually loves to another woman. So because she has but, to be at at City Hall. For okay, her but own I'm wedding. sorry, Mary.
2: You took this job and you chose not to get off the account. You can't just leave right. poor Judy Greer there. To wrangle all these crazy
1: people. <laughs> Judy Greer is not ready to be... She can't do her one job, which is to make the bride walk down the aisle whether she wants to or not. Yeah, you need to force women who yeah. don't want to get
2: married to shitty
1: men to We were do talking it. about the ethics of wedding planners earlier, but it's clear that the number one rule is do not let anyone back out of the wedding. <laughs> make the wedding happen. Well, that was
0: part of my... Honestly, one of the first things I thought of when the bride and groom left was like can you still like are you gonna have trouble getting that invoice paid yeah because the wedding planner did her
1: job i mean i think that like from my modern view of wedding planning yes you have to pay the planner they showed up and did their job the way that they frame the job of a wedding planner in the movie is very different as if there is a clause that's like if the if the yeah, nuptials don't take place, yeah, you forfeit, you all. forfeit half. But your also, fee or I something. feel like
2: maybe there would be an argument for breach of contract because their wedding planner that they hired <laughs> literally didn't show up <laughs> didn't and show and up. alienated the
1: affections of the groom.
2: <laughs> like I don't know. There's some questions here.
0: <laughs> They're really. Luckily, Fran's questions.
2: parents are very rich from their sausage.
0: Oh yeah. The uh, the catalyst, I guess, was that dollhouse, right? And the incredibly romantic response of okay yeah. on the scrabble board. Yeah. <laughs> he makes the grand
1: romantic proposal because he's finally accepted that he can't just stalk her and tell everyone that they're engaged. And so he makes a stirring speech. I, I don't understand the dollhouse. In
0: in one of the reviews, how he got one to of America. Of the... What? Why is he in America? Like did the to dad marry, Mary Mary, that's why. No, but 90-day like fiancé, like no, her dad says just, that, why is he oh, there? Oh, yeah, they ran in he
2: ran they, into he ran him into at him. New Arrivals night at the Sicilian club. Oh, or thank
1: you. Okay. Right. So, so he did
0: not bring him just for this reason. N- no. No,
1: so I think your question is very important. Yeah. Why is why he there? Why is he, he there? Never
0: seems to be working. <laughs> he
2: has so much time <laughs> yeah. to go to like vineyards and stalk Mary and then.
1: You know, challenge Steve to a wrestling at the vineyard. Oh, that was
0: so dumb. I hated that sub. That was so stupid.
1: That's that's the thing about planning a wedding. If if there's literally one other man there, the groom will be exempt from all planning activities so that he can and has to
2: fight him. Yeah.
1: Well, no, it's
2: really just following the theme of the wedding, which is Steve has a giant penis. (laughs) He was like, "You deal with that. I need to." I need to follow the the theme. Yeah.
0: Did you guys think that the scene of JLo getting ready for her wedding to Massimo with the veil and the pillbox hat was like dark? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She's, it felt dark. It's sad. She
1: she says she wants a small wedding, but it's clear that this is just a sad reflection of what she actually always thought her wedding day would be from the groom to the, the whole affair.
0: She's just resigned. I guess I just don't. Yeah. Like it's just this big moment of settling and like, she feels like she's doing her duty and sacrifice, but like, I actually don't feel like she was overly pressured and could have pushed back and she was kind of choosing to do it. So I didn't, I don't know. It was kind of like a weird, rash decision, I think, because she was in love with a guy getting married. I don't know. The whole thing bummed me out. The pillbox hat and this very short veil bummed me out. Um, But what I didn't remember about this movie is that they make it so everyone makes the right choice for themselves without interference from everybody else. Yeah. I think they really didn't want to
2: have things resolve themselves in a way that, like, Mary had to interrupt Fran and Steve's mm-hmm. day. Like, it needed to be, oh, they can be together, not because anyone's done anything bad. They can be together because everyone is going to have the realization mm. that they weren't in
1: the right relationship. And so it's, like, very convenient. Right. And Massimo has been, like, begging her to marry him despite all the evidence that she doesn't want to and then I guess at the very last minute he was like I feel like you don't want to marry me I feel like you actually want to marry someone else so let's call this whole thing off same
2: with her father her father who's just been like no you have to marry Masabo you're going to love him and she's repeatedly been saying like I don't want this wedding I don't want this man I have no interest in him he's disgusting and then at like the last minute her dad's like wait I'm
0: getting the sense that Maybe this isn't what you want. You, just, you don't. Want <laughs> I know. It, and it all happens like kind of off camera. So, like, yeah. Then he, he, I mean, Fran's put like, the fluffy dress in the cab is just like a funny trope to me. But she looks so happy and beautiful. And I just can't stunning. imagine the call she should get in Tahiti when she finds out when <laughs> that is the Mary and Steve are dating. But, I I was happy. I guess it ended on her terms. Yeah. I didn't. I I honest to God thought that there was a moment she found out in the movie, but I guess she never does. And then there's a moment howls she's the guy in ten out. days style. Yes, yes, and Fran doesn't pick up on that. Like I can explain. Like there was no other reason she should be able to explain in advance of Fran telling her that she hates how he like chews or whatever.
2: <laughs> okay, but also in that moment, it's so bizarre to me that Mary doesn't just. Let her have the realization then, before the wedding day, that she, she doesn't want to marry her into marrying. Yeah, she, she, a professional. she scams
1: her. She scams her into marrying this guy. Like she's a professional, terrible. Emma. This is what she does. She's she's like Steve wants to marry this woman. This woman wants to marry Steve. They sign a contract. I'm going to get promoted to partner. Let's do it. But it makes you think about <laughs> right. the truth. This might be the most ethical thing she's ever done as a wedding planner, is to even passively influence a couple into breaking up instead of actively convincing a bunch of women who moments before the (laughs) wedding are like, I hate everything about my fiance. Am I making a huge mistake? And she's like, no, you're not making a huge mistake. I definitely do have a a bet placed that you will break up within eight months, (laughs) but you're going to be together forever. Get on out there. Like, that's so fucked up. It's so fucked up.
0: It really is. (laughs) It really is so. Yeah, Fran doesn't marry Massimo. Sorry, Mary is Mary Massimo. Fran doesn't marry Steve. We see none of the fallout from Fran, from the family, from the wedding guests, from Judy Greer. There's really no consequences. <laughs> all they blew everyone's shit up, but all that matters <laughs> is they kiss in the end. And I, I found this ending really unsatisfying. Yeah, they <laughs> it haven't was resolved not anything. Satisfying.
2: Yeah, I needed like a flash forward at least, like a year later. I don't know, like if you're gonna not wrap it up, then just tack on,
1: yeah, a flash
2: forward so that we can wrap it up. Like show me like a blissful Fran, killing it in the corporate world with her new like yes. hottie. I I think that it was.
1: I don't think that they could have done it. Like they they painted themselves into a narrative corner. Where it was, like, too late yeah. to show Steve and Mary, like, truly earning each other and, like, earning the happy ending. And so they were just like, well, uh, they're back both single now. Back to the park now.
0: we go. Yeah. They can dance. They'll kiss. Oh, they went back to the park with the M&M's. Yeah, M&M's. she'll
2: eat only the brown M&M's as a sign of her devotion.
1: Yeah. Because they have Also, less I'm sorry, coloring. that tree
0: doesn't look comfortable. Not
2: at all. Why is that your reserved seat?
1: (laughs) I don't think that comfort is important to Mary. Mary doesn't seem like someone who's ever comfortable.
0: Very true. She did wear that lavender dress and leather trench a.m. to p.m. from dumpster to Golden Gate Park in that first scene. She she was in a very uncomfortable outfit and never changed. And she went never went home straight from her broken-off wedding to go watch that movie. Yeah. Yeah. She has weird habits. But So you guys, in in professionally watching rom-coms, did you feel like there was any broader lesson or point to this movie?
1: Like an intentional one?
0: Yeah. Yeah, like, I think there's usually a
1: moral to the story or something, but like, this had
0: nothing. I think
1: that maybe what they're perhaps offering is like a, you know you should be with someone for a reason and not just because you've been together for a while that is kind of the moral of the fran and eddie story and that's like the closest we really get to any sort of but i think you're right that like how can it really have a moral when there's no character growth like that's what character growth often speaks to
0: Right. Yeah, the, that maybe that's what I was missing is like or, I, I, I their connection didn't really seem based on anything. There was no growth. It it was like I guess the point was that she was bitter toward love and now she's in love. I don't know. <laughs>
2: yeah, someone you will just happen upon someone and you deserve to be happy with that person even if everything's stacked against
1: you. I guess. He just needed to meet even just one single woman who didn't want a big wedding and for him to head up a major medical foundation instead of working with patients.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's how that well was, Mary uh, okay. understands
0: him. Thank you for pointing that out. That was the <laughs> moment that that was supposed to tell us something about Fran and her not having his best intentions. But she doesn't really get um, him. Or best and, interest. And Mary does. She get Mary him. gets
2: him. She's like, that guy wants a want small, small wedding, and he <laughs> loves children. He loves playing with children, which is what it means to be, be a pediatrician.
1: He is like <laughs> right. there is a direct line from Steve to Toby Fleischman. Oh my it's God. like Toby yes. Fleischman is what would happen if Steve yeah. actually married Fran, and also Fran, wow, were not quite as rich.
0: Wow, what if we Sorry. found out that that was like canon, like? <laughs> the origin story of, of the Troll was for if Fran and Steve got
2: married,
0: it kind of worked. It really. Um, does. Frankly, I, I think this
2: movie is just a it, triumph for Fran. It's like it's actually a movie about Fran and how escaping. she's given the gift of escaping this terrible man she dated in college. And it's like Fran, it, it, you don't have to marry this loser.
0: It was the exact same. Um, Fran's wanting him to start a foundation was the same as Cameron Diaz and my best friend's wedding wanting Dermot Mulroney to take a job with her dad. Like two otherwise really pleasant characters that just say this one thing that makes you think like, oh, she doesn't know him like I do. And they very subtly shaded Fran, I guess. But yeah, yeah, all in all, a fun rewatch Problematic in so many ways. (laughs) But the lesson for me was never let your man get too close to a vendor.
1: (laughs) Yeah. This is why women have to plan weddings, unfortunately. It's it's because men just, if they're around a woman who isn't you, they will fall in love with her. Right. Right. That's also why you can't That's have men do. nannies. They can't be alone in rooms with women without your presence. If all they see parents. an
0: opportunity, they'll take exactly. it. Because they're men. You have
1: to protect them by doing all the wedding planning and being the only one to talk to the nanny. And... All of these p- things that women do well, to protect this their is husbands is why from Mike Pence will
2: not have lunch with a woman who isn't I, his wife. Okay? Exactly, it's a man, and he might have an opportunity. Oh pres- my
1: God! Present itself. The Pence rule is the moral of this movie. <laughs> yeah.
0: it it, honest to god
1: i think that is i think that's where i net out we did i did read at least one review that described this as a very socially conservative movie and i think that is
2: (laughs) yeah that was like the one review written at the time by a woman it's it was ew's Uh, lisa schwartzbaum who wrote that
0: that's awesome Uh, i love that you guys went back into the reviews i i it is funny to think of these movies as being like new releases and critically analyze because now we're just kind of laughing at it but yeah i know and a lot of them
1: were laughing at it which is the funny thing is like part of you wants to be like oh well it was a different time and then you look back and you're like no a lot of people saw how dumb this was
0: at the time yeah they were (laughs) talking on it oh my gosh i love it you guys this was this was so much fun this was like The most fun Tuesday I've had in a long time. Um, It's like a bomb bomb for my
2: soul. This was such a delight.
0: (laughs) This is lovely. So will you tell people where they can find you in the pod and anything you've got coming up you want people to know about?
2: Yeah, you can find our podcast, Love to See It with Emma and Claire, wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at Claire and Emma Pod, on TikTok at Love to See It Pod. And you can check out our newsletter, which has both written recommendations and also bonus podcast content over on Substack um, at claireandemma.substack.com.
1: Yes. And you can find me on socials at, at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Bros.
0: Amazing. You guys are the best. I'm such a fan listen to and read everything they've got. It's amazing, brilliant feminist commentary on popular culture, which I know is up everyone's alley here. And thank you for joining us. All right, you guys. That was so much fun. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you watched the movie before. Otherwise, that might've been kind of granular, but uh, I love this concept. Be sure to listen to Love to See It. This is Kate from the Beyond. I don't know if by this point I'll be with child or not. And if, if I haven't mentioned it elsewhere in the episode and you see it on Instagram, or otherwise I have had <laughs> the child um, <coughs> I'll probably do updates on Patreon. Cause I've pre-recorded and like preset some episodes so I can take a little bit of time off. So head to patreon.com slash be there in five. If you want to hear more of my personal life news. Um, but otherwise, thanks for being here and I will see you next week for another fun interview as part of it's Matt Leaf series. As always, let me know your thoughts and I'll let you know mine. I'll be there in five, I swear.